Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Been a little bit of a late start to the Patriots postgame show this afternoon. John Zanis, Evan Lazar reporting from Foxborough. Uh, Evan just got out of the locker room uh, to hear from some of the Patriots on what was for the first time a game that's really difficult to nitpick or complain about. Uh, a 54-13 blowout win over the Jets. And again, this show is going to be filled with caveats and right. it's going to be filled with disclaimers, but it's the Jets, but it's the Jets. But, but the point is you're supposed up until this point, they hadn't done this. You know, you had a Jets right. win where the Jets threw the, where Wilson completed more pass to Patriots than he did to, 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 to Jets that game. And basically mm-hmm. just gave it to you. You had to eke one out against Houston. This is the third win of the year again, against three bad teams, but this is how you're supposed to beat a bad team and that's what the Patriots did with a game plan and just suffocating them and never letting never stay you know stepping on their necks and never letting up uh from the get-go both on offense and defense and there you go done uh 54-13 we found the formula score 54.7 you can beat anybody right it it, it harkens back to the Brady era right when we said the same thing back then you can't you don't make the schedule, right? You can't you can't line up the schedule. You can't change the fact that the Jets were on the schedule in week seven in Foxborough today. And that was what the schedule makers, you know, that's, that's what it was. And in the Brady era, we used to judge these games based off of how the Patriots looked as a team and not necessarily uh, about the individual matchups and taking a, a more of a big picture look at it. And taking a more big picture look at this game, they found a formula offensively that, seems to be what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick had in mind when they put the pieces together back in the offseason in March and April. And that is Mac Jones making the downfield throws that are presented to him, making the right reads, being uh, stru- operating well within the structure of the system, but not necessarily having to carry the team on his back individually because the other 10 guys on the roster on the field at once with Mac were helping him. Right. And they're all pulling the rope at the same time. You have an offensive line. Finally, the Patriots settle on the five man combination that all of us have been clamoring for yeah. since week two with Mike Onwenu at right tackle and Ted Karras in the starting lineup. And this is a group of a five man unit hoping that Shaq Mason uh, didn't completely re aggravate that abdomen injury at the end of this game, assuming that he's healthy da- for next week and down the road. This is the five-man combination the Patriots should have been on since week two, since Trent yeah, Brown went out of the And that's what's lineup. frustrating is I guess the Trent Brown, thinking Trent Brown might be back in a week, uh, you know, or, you know, uh, short-term, again, makes sense why they did what they did. You wanted to maintain continuity. If you thought Brown was coming back on the right side, you didn't want to completely. Right. And again, you know, they were talking about on the broadcast from conversations with, you know, Bill Belichick, moving a guy from left guard to right tackle is completely messing up his universe, you know? Right. Um, and they didn't want to do that. But clearly, from a personnel standpoint, it's much better this way. And who knows when you're going to get Trent Brown back or what's going to happen in that situation. So this might be what you have to go to. And yes, it made sense uh, to kick Karras in there as well. But the Mason thing is, I don't know, because I mean, we don't know the severity of it in the first place, but to right. re-aggravate the same thing, I'm I'm not sure when you're talking abdomen, I think you're thinking hernia. So you hope he didn't like, you know, do something bad that he's going to miss significant time. Um, you know, it is, we should note 
a few injuries worth watching. In addition to Mason, uh, you had McCordy, Hightower obviously missed this game. Uh, and who else got, and obviously John Smith. Well, and John, and that was sort who of got involved point. early. Right. And so I wanted to get to, let's start with what they started with, um, which was, you know, trying to figure out how to use their offensive pieces. And it was obvious, obvious, obvious early. They were going to John, I think five of the first seven attempts went his way. Right. They worked him on a screen. They're obviously trying to do the thing that you've been clamoring for for a while, Evan, which is get him in space, let him run. You know, gadget seems like an insult. So rather than use gadget, you basically don't want him running downfield trying to get open in a classic way like you do your other receivers. You want to get him in space with the ball in his hands. It's almost like the Nikhil Harry dilemma, um, you know, that they had with him too is, you know, you're using him in ways that didn't really work. So they, they, they sprung him early on a little screen. There was a long game that got taken back on a penalty, but he was active. And then he goes, then he leaves the game, which is something to watch here with the left shoulder. So it's funny because earlier this week I had an exchange with Bill Belichick where I asked him, how do you get Johnny Smith more involved in the passing game? And he sat there and told me, well, it, unless it's a screen pass, you don't design a passing play to just go to one guy. Right. And he did the whole Belichick uh, trope of how, oh, well, we design a pattern. We throw to the open guys. guy. We throw yeah. to the open guy. Yeah. And they come out in this game clearly trying to get Johnny Smith clearly. incorporated and they throw him a screen pass early. So there you go, Bill, you got your screen pass in there. So that's the one play that Belichick will admit you design it for one guy to catch it. So they get the screen pass for Johnny Smith. Then they align him at fullback and they get him open off of play action on the corner route coming out of the backfield. And the only assumption that I can make based off of what we saw today versus what we saw in the first six weeks of the season with Johnny Smith is that it took him Johnny and Josh McDaniels a little bit of time to get on the same page with some of these creative wrinkles and figure out how exactly they were going to use him, how he was going to fit into this offense. And now we're starting to see the fruits, of the labor start to pay off a little bit and they're, and they're figuring it out, right? They're, they're now you're starting to figure out his usage. So you use them and you said gadget isn't, you don't want to use that word because it's kind of uh, it has negative it's, it's, it's insult, Yeah, it's a little cute. How, about, how yeah. about the fancy way of saying a gadget player, which is scheme touches, right? Yeah. Scheme touches, screen passes, alignment touches where he's in the backfield and then he gets open down the field. Just different types of wrinkles. And when you put that together and you put Hunter Henry's ability to run routes and just get open on his own against man coverage or zone coverage, then you have the complementary tight end duo that the Patriots thought they were getting. So you have the offensive line together. You have the running game together. You have Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry both making passing plays and the way that they envisioned back in March when they signed these two guys. And the last piece of the puzzle was Mac Jones actually throwing the football down the field aggressively on several occasions. The Jets had to put an extra guy in the box because they were Patriots were gashing them on the ground with Damian Harris. So they put that safety deep. They had one safety high and Mac was actually going out there and throwing at the single coverage on the outside. And he finally hits the big one to Kendrick Borden there in the second half for 46 yards. So an aggressive Mac Jones, a more comfortable Mac Jones in the second time around against the Jets. The tight ends were working. The run game was working. The offensive line stabilized. Yes, it's the Jets. Yes, it's the Jets. Yes, it's the Jets. But this is the foundation, right? And this is now the blueprint that the Patriots can use on offense moving forward and stick to this balanced tempo. How to incorporate all these guys, nine different guys catch a pass from Mac Jones. This is what the Patriots envisioned when they drew this up back in March and April. Sure. Uh, and you know what else they did, Evan? Which, again, Bill's not going to give anybody credit. And he's going to say he's just playing football and we're just doing what we do. But they went for it on fourth down. They did. Um, which uh, was, again, uh, just a thing that you do sometimes because it's worth it. Um, right. And, and that's what you're supposed to do um, is go for it on fourth down in, in fourth and short situations when you get to the other side of the 50. Uh, and they did. And and they got it. And it was, wow, look at that. Super easy to do. Um, so I was happy to see them do that. It was only the fourth time all year. And I think that's still a league low uh, that the Patriots went for it on fourth down. But that was something. Um, overall, it was so easy, too. They get it from the Jets' 35-yard line, fourth and one. And you start to 
head scratch and think to yourself, where where was this? So that, easy. That that could have been done last week at least once, right? So finally, you go for it on fourth down. The aggressiveness, not only from Mac Jones pulling the trigger on some downfield throws here today, and this comes off the heels of last week going four for four on 20-plus yard throws against Dallas. So we're really starting to see Mac attack with the football or hunt with yeah. the football down the field, which is really good to see. It's not just the system in the middle of the field and get the ball out like Mac was doing earlier in the season. Now he's actually standing in the pocket and attacking and hunting the, with the football to man coverage outside. That's what he did at Alabama. That's what we're starting to see now at the Patriots and Mac Jones. But it's also the aggressiveness out of Josh McDaniels with the play calling. And I get people are going to scratch their heads about some of the trick plays and say, why empty why empty the holster on the trick plays now, right? Why empty it against the Jets? But I'm not even as concerned about the trick plays as I am of once they crossed over the 50, the Patriots were attacking the end zone. They weren't sitting back and kicking field goals. They were going after touchdowns, and that's why they found the end zone seven times. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they scored on their first six possessions, I believe. And again, that's just being aggressive and, and, you know, keeping your foot on the gas, which I thought was, uh, was, uh, worthwhile. The jets have an aggressive front, so they definitely kept them off balance running their screen game early. Brandon Bolden revenge game for all of the naysayers right. out there, which, you know, I, I'm leading that charge, but I'm certainly not, uh, in the minority. There's a lot of people wondering, prior to the game. Are we doing this again? Ramondre Stevenson was a yeah. healthy scratch. What the hell's going on? Bolden goes out there. Um, and again, I think any human being um, who plays football for a living probably can make the yards that Bolden made on those plays. They were schemed up well. I'm not trying yeah. to take anything away, but they weren't like these weren't branded. I'll say this about the Brandon Bolden yards. When we, we started this show, we wanted to tackle things that were real and things were about the Jets. The Brandon Bolden receiving yards were about the Jets, yes, right? That, the that's Jets. that's not going those, to... Those were allowed, not earned. You yeah, know, like, the, the, those yeah. are not going to carry over from week to week. I think Brandon Bolden had something like, uh, what, 79 receiving yards in this game. I am not. I don't even know if he's going to make 10 things, to be honest with you. Because those, I've got it right the, here. Those, six that, six right. for 79. Yeah, and the touchdown on the screen pass. Those things are not going to carry over. He's not going to have 80 yards receiving next week yep. against the Chargers. But the downfield aggressiveness from Mac, the tight end incorporation with Johnny Smith, the five guys that they found on the offensive line there today that played solid for the Patriots against a decent front, those are the things that we can really sink our teeth into and say if they can put that – formula together week in and week out they might not score 54 points but they're going to be a pretty good offense better again you want to see um you know you're happy to see some of the things you saw here um i think obviously damian harris running hard 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 again in the return of a, of a power run game opening up some holes uh and really being something as you said the jets had to account for which opens right. up other things you know when that running game wasn't there either it's kind of like well what do you do we are back and better than ever all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS 50 to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts as far as max concerned what i think was interesting is um he looked a little off, off uh, early. early in the game yeah he uh, did. early he obviously had a terrible he didn't see um i don't know if that was the safety coming over on a ball that could have easily been picked potentially even a pick six um type of play there that was a really 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 bad uh throw just not just not seeing the not reading the coverage right there um, and then, um, you know, had a ball where he kind of sailed it to Henry on a third down, which I think was a was a pass he can make there as well. So he missed a couple balls, you would see. But then he just found his touch all over the place. I thought what you know, we talk about the Jets giving up yards that screen touchdown to Bolden. Can you imagine Cam Newton making that throw? We talk about the I and mean, I'm not just what we what we lost sight of last year is how good Brady was at 
those short touch throws, getting yeah. them where they need to go, hitting them people at the the right timing, in stride, in the hands, allowing them to make plays. You can't have a short passing game unless you're putting the ball exactly where it needs to go. And that was just a beautiful pass there. And obviously, you saw him pressing it downfield, throws an absolute dime to Bourne that was basically so he was stride for stride with the D back up until that ball you know, hit his hands. So yeah. um, some really, really, really nice throws from Mac as well. Again, throwing some guys open to uh, in coverage, making them kind of rotate, turn to their back shoulder, get to the sideline. So he really, really got dialed in as the game went on. Yeah. I think when you look at this game from Mac Jones, and I'm sure when we go back and look at the tape of it as well, you're going to, the, the, stark contrast between week two against this Jets team where we came on Mac Jones in that week two game against the Jets averaged a little bit over four yards per attempt in the air, right? A dot was way down. He was checking the ball down when he had guys open down the field. He wasn't standing in the pocket against pressure. He wasn't aggressive throwing the football down the field. Now we get into the second time around against the same Jets defense for the most part. And you see just a total night and day transformation and I think that you can look at that when you play a team a second time around like the Patriots just did and you can see the progress right you can see where he was in week two versus where he is now and that is something that I think can barely be looked at moving forward as a positive for Mac Jones is just the ability to throw the ball down the field and trust his stuff down the field is, is really starting to improve and come on here the last couple of weeks. And we're not getting so caught up into uh, being a, a check down Charlie. And we're actually seeing him throw the football down the field and hunt with the football down the field. I think the confidence and the want to, to hunt with it down the field is almost as, as important as the completions themselves, yeah. right? There's the willingness and the, and the desire to want to push it down the field and aggressively attack man coverage is a really, really good sign. And he seemed to be just making a ton of strides from what we saw in, in this week two game down in the Meadowlands where he really won that game on the back of the defense, intercepting Zach Wilson four times and not so much anything that Mac or the offense did particularly well that day. Yep, no doubt about it. I think also a minor thing, but just worth noting. And again, uh, on the game broadcast, when they see it, um, you know, they draw attention to it. But, you know, Mac Jones being able to escape the pocket and run and use his legs a couple times to get a, a critical first down uh, and to, you know, uh, to, you know, again, to show some wheels. And again, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's interesting. You know, Mac Jones is not a running quarterback. He's not a running threat. He's not a guy you design runs for. But it is worth noting. He's not Tom Brady. He ran a four points. He ran a four seven nine at the combine, which is what Patrick Mahomes ran. And you consider Patrick Mahomes to be an athletic quarterback with escapability. I think Mahomes is a superior overall athlete, so right. it's not comparable there because he's just got more wiggle and shake to him. But straight line speed, Mac can run a little bit. Tom Brady, by contrast, was a five two eight, which is this is like the difference between Lamar Jackson and Shaq Mason, you know, like right. in terms of in terms of straight line speed. So it is actually fairly significant. And, and he and he got out. He got out, and he had a couple of runs there, and uh, he was able to escape. In addition to moving around and staying and keeping up in the pocket, so all in all, just a really like pro game from 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 Mac Jones. He looked just, you know. There's there's not a lot you point to outside of maybe a couple of throws, which a lot of quarterbacks miss throws and be like, oh, the rookie, you know, like there's just not yeah. a lot of rookie in him right now. So the one thing that I think people are going to harp on from this game, and I, I know people are going to talk about this, is McDaniel's emptying the clip offensively. He sure. put a, a lot of trick plays on tape today. He put yep. a lot of downfield schemes and throws on tape today. And the one thing that you look at with all of those is that – the negative is, is that teams are going to now see some of these trick plays. But I actually think on a positive light, you start to put all this stuff on tape and it now becomes a little bit more difficult to prepare for you, right? Because the teams coming in to play the Patriots now, the defensive coordinators getting ready to game plan against the Patriots, you see all these different things that this offense is capable of doing. And the one schematic thing that played out really early on in this game that basically decided the game was that, the Jets came out and they played a lot of two high shells early on in this game. Pre-snap, they were rotating them into the box. After the snap and the Patriots were just running the ball right down their throats and they were effectively running the football. So what the Jets had to adjust to 
was more of those single high safety coverages with the same one safety deep and another guy in the box. And once they made that adjustment, it opened up the passing game. So the Patriots got into that 12 personnel look early when John is before John who got hurt and they were in that two tight end package. And when they had the single high with the two tight ends, the Patriots were really effectively throwing the football down the field against that package. So now teams are going to have to ask themselves, what do we run on the back end? And do we play the Patriots with the extra guy in the box that try to take away Damian Harris? Or this is kind of the chess match, right? Now the chess match begins a little bit with this offense. Do we play the two high looks to try to get rid of the tight ends? Or do we play a single high to try to get rid of Damian Harris? And now the teams are going to have to make that decision. And as long as Mac Jones can make them pay for playing single high like he did today, then it's going to be really difficult to stop them because they're going to have one thing available to them no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, it's it's super important. And what have we said all along, um, you know, Yes, there's been criticisms all along in terms of, okay, what's going on with the skill position players playing really conservative, blah, blah, blah. But the number one thing that it starts and ends with was always the offensive line having some level of stability. Without that, nothing works, nothing at all. So almost everything that we saw from this team, uh, you know, coming off in those performances where we're like, what are they doing? Yeah, really was all based off the fact that you couldn't establish anything or feel good about anything. You couldn't, you didn't feel good about letting Matt cook or spreading it out and just, you know, whatever, uh, or you, you know, just handing the ball off and, and, uh, and, and, and having that kind of bully ball power running style. Cause nothing, literally nothing was going uh, the way the O-line was playing. So I think that, set the tone early. I mean, the, the Pats really won the trenches today. Pretty, pretty, pretty resoundingly. I think both sides of the ball. And that's how this team was built in the off season. Make no mistake yeah. about it. As much as it was about the rookie yes. quarterback and the weapons on the outside that they signed in free agency, they thought that they were going to come into this season and dominate in the trenches on both sides of the football. Yep. And today was the first day where it really felt like they dominated both sides. Both sides. And, yeah. yeah. And again, um, you know, I, I know it's like sometimes it shows up, sometimes not. But again, the the continued contributions of Christian Barmore um, on the inside, um, I think, just keeps showing. You know, and uh, and how many guys have been brought in here? Um, you know, whether they be high draft picks or whatever, who did not make that impact, that desired impact, whether it was a Malcolm Brown or, or an Easley. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's know. already had enough more plays than Dem- Dominic Easley had and in his entire career. Bro. Maybe all of those guys in their right. career, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you didn't, you never got it. And now it looks like, Oh, okay. This is what it looks like. And you're seeing it consistently week in week out. He might be uh, outside of Judon, the most consistent performer on the Patriots defense right now. Yeah. So the Patriots defense to me is if you're looking for something to be critical of out there today, they ended up evening out against Mike White as the game wore on. When Mike White first got into the game, he he was on fire. He but it looked like it. they eased up a tad in terms of yeah, their coverage. Yeah. And what and they, they, yeah. Drop, drop into zone, just kind of let it just play a little soft there. I, I think they stopped bringing the heat. Um, yeah, yeah. A, a little it, bit. They, they kind of played the scoreboard a little bit there yeah, when Mike exactly. White first got in the game. Then it felt like they got a little bit more aggressive, and, and Juwan Williams actually made some plays in coverage that, yeah. where you said, oh, okay, you know, early on, I, I thought he had a terrible rep in zone coverage, and then later on, he started to turn it on a little bit more in man coverage. But I look at this defense, and I look at that outside cornerback spot, and we were talking about outside cornerback depth as a concern all the way back in training camp when we thought Stefan. Gilmore was coming back to this team at this time of the year. Now Stephon Gilmore isn't even in the house anymore. He's not walking through the door and they have a really big void there behind JC Jackson where with Jalen Mills and Jawan Williams as their next two guys up, I don't know if I trust either one of those guys right now down in and down out. I think Mills has the capability to be a starter in this league and matchups against Chris Godwin and CeeDee Lamb aside, you don't really judge him too harshly when he's going man-to-man with CeeDee Lamb for four straight quarters. That's a really tough matchup. But when you start to look at things down the road for the Patriots and we're talking about carrying over things from next week, what can you build on? What can you replicate? And when I look at this secondary I'm still concerned about outside corner. Uh, JC is the only one that I trust to come in and be able to hold his own against top flight competition. You start talking about Jalen Mills. You start talking about Jawan Williams. Who the heck knows what's going on with Sean Wade and that concussion, if he's ever going to see the field. And this team still feels like 
and I don't want to keep harping on the Gilmore trade because it's water under the bridge at this point and the guy's gone. But the Patriots still feel like a body away at outside corner of somebody else besides JC that they can really trust there. And I have to imagine when they signed Jalen Mills to that contract in the offseason that the plan was not to play him at outside corner all year long, right? They thought they were going to get Gilmore back and they were going to be able to move Jalen Mills to more of a Swiss Army knife type of role where he's going to play inside, outside, Outside, some safety in the box and now he has to play on the outside and he gets picked on at times out there even against this Jets team he gave up some some stuff down the field Corey Davis scores a touchdown on him he gives up a, t- a big completion to J- Jamison Crowder on that slot fade from number three spot just all these types of plays that yeah. you start to talk about uh, in the course of the game and and you get a little bit concerned about that outside cornerback spot if I had to pick right now where I feel like an Achilles heel is with this team. Cause I do, they're three and four and I feel like they are trending a little bit in the right direction here offensively. But if I had to pick on an Achilles heel of why this team isn't going to get back into the playoff hunt this season, it might be because of that outside cornerback depth. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, what happened? Why? I don't know if it was an injury or a bl- or just taking a blow. Uh, why did Jace, Why did uh, Jawan come in for JC there for a little bit for a series or a series and a half? They've been rotating guys there at the secondary positions, especially this game was a little bit out of hand at that point. So maybe they just want to get Jawan Williams some opportunities in game. Yeah. But every time Jawan Williams goes out there, it does have – it feels shaky at times, right? You have, you don't really know if he's going to, what he's going to give you down in and down out. And that's the one thing that you don't want with, with a guy, for example, with a guy like Jalen Mills, at least I know the effort level is going to be there, but it's not necessarily going to be perfect every single down, but I can yeah. scheme around that. If I'm Bill Belichick, the guy that Jalen Mills reminds me an absolute ton of is Logan Ryan, right? Who is just a serviceable, solid corner in the NFL that played positionally sound that didn't give up too many big plays and was able to make tackles and stuff like that to limit after the catch but he wasn't a lockdown man-to-man get in your face type of cornerback and that's okay as long as you have you know the rest of the pecking order figured out but it's just a little bit concerning that the Patriots are now in week seven heading into week eight of the season and that outside cornerback depth just seems a little bit suspect at the moment and you don't have John Jones for at least two more games. So that means right. Miles Bryant's going to have to play a lot. And if I had to put any damper on this, on this victory, because this was a sound 54 13 blowout by the Patriots. But if I had to bring anything back down to earth a little bit, I still am not a hundred percent sold that the secondary has got it right now. Yeah. It's, and it, I don't, I, unless you, I don't know what you're doing here. Um, you know, I, I don't think you're making a trade for anything impact. So you might bring right. in another depth body, but this is what you're going to have, I think, for the most part. So they um, don't really have the cap space. And I know they people, don't. You'd have to, you'd people have to are oh, cap space, yada, yada, yada. But they don't really have the cap space right off the top to just make a trade. You know, someone said to me earlier today, if they could pull off a, a keep to leave type of trade. No, you'd have to restructure somebody right, right now. Yeah, Remember to, in to, 2012 when they yeah. traded for to leave mid season and it really fix the entire secondary that type of deal would be great in on the surface right but you'd have to restructure somebody you'd have to move around money somehow you have to yeah. send somebody out in the trade to Which make they the, would do right sure. to make the move happen but that seems like it feels to me that that's what the team is is missing the most right now is being able to go out there and have two guys in jc and another corner like they had with gilmore and jc that you feel like okay these guys can go out there and and really compete every single play with good passing attacks in the league because houston lit them up uh, dallas lit them up and then today even though they were able to level out against mike white once they got a little bit more aggressive there and started stopped messing around a little bit they still the jets still seem to have some some good plays in the passing game and, and it wasn't exactly perfect i mean mike white comes in and throws for 200 yards in this game since uh, after replacing uh after replacing zach wilson that, that, that's a number that you probably don't want to i mean if he plays the whole game he's throwing for over 300 yards against the secondary again it looked like they they kind of let him have, um, yeah. you know, some there. I think they 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 dialed That's it back. Enough. 
they dialed it back a good bit. But uh, it also was strange. If you're a Jets fan, you're just seeing Wilson continue to go out there and just look like a spaz at all times. And again, I know the Patriots, you know, were you know, were bringing some pressure and, you know, making him uncomfortable and he didn't always have time. It just it feels like 80 percent of his throws are off his back foot. It's just everything is nothing is in rhythm for 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 Zach Wilson right now. Um, and obviously it's part of it is just being a jet. Um, which is which isn't an easy thing to be. So um, you come in, yeah, you come into this game. It's week seven. It's his seventh career start. All those caveats aside, and this isn't even about a Mac versus Zach Wilson thing. But you look at it as in Zach Wilson looks one way, and then your backup quarterback Mike White looks a totally different way when he comes into the game. And every single good throw. Not every single one. I shouldn't say that. 90% of the good plays that Zach Wilson makes are those extended, yeah. broken plays where he's moving around in the pocket and he's running around. And he's, plays. Right. And, and if he has to sit there in the pocket, operate within structure, get the ball out on time and make an accurate throw, he just can't do that and string, string that consistently together at all. And the best play that he had, ironically, was a dropped interception that went yeah. through, was a DPI and then he gets hurt on the same exact play. Yeah. Right. So that was was probably the best play that he had was a drawn de- defensive pass interference. He didn't make a nice throw on a crossing route. I should I shouldn't say that, but the point is is just he he always needs the play to be broken down. He always needs to go playground style and there's just zero in structure rhythm or consistency with Zach Wilson in the game. And if I'm a Jets fan and I watch some of these games that Zach Wilson's had in his rookie year, I'm really really concerned. Really really concerned. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I, I would be too. And again, we're not take. I don't want to take the full Mac Jones, you know, rookie quarterback victory lap. But right. Like, right now, at this moment, Justin Fields has fumbled once and thrown two interceptions there with the Bears. And again, the situation matters. You know, you have a much more stable environment for a person like Mac Jones to come in and play. You're talking yeah. about a team that, you know, was competitive last year versus Jacksonville or Chicago or um or uh you know the jets uh which are really tough places for for a quarterback to step in and have success because there's so many issues with those teams but it's it's a i mean it's a you know it's not even close right now no uh, and it's not statistically close either it's not statistically close it's not as close the only question is the question is not is not is not present day performance it's future it's it's ceiling which again is debatable but i don't think you could find a single nfl person right now who'd say oh yeah someone's playing better than mac jones not only is no one playing better than mac jones mac jones is playing extremely well for a rookie um i think it's only somewhat tainted by some seeing something like what like a herbert did last year which again is just an outlier season for rookie quarterbacks to be able to go wire to wire and actually look not just okay, but good. Um, and I think Mac just kind of continues to get his footing and and look better. But um, you know, we talked at the top of the show, John U. Smith starting to figure stuff out for him. I think they gotta figure out what they want uh Nelson Aguilar to be. Um, yeah, because I don't know what they're trying to do with him other than just run him downfield. Um, but I don't it's I mean two catches today and one of them was it was it was a was a gimmick you know a little you know a gadget play um you know with the throwback from Bourne so right. i mean you're just not you're just not getting value out of Nelson Aguilar if you're not finding ways to get the ball in his hands in 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 in, in some way better than what what's happening right now so i don't know if this is on Nelson Aguilar to adjust or the Patriots to adjust to him but it feels to me like Nelson Aguilar is going to have to become an intermediate route runner right he's going to be somebody that when he's actually getting into and manufacturing his own production now when they run him up the field and they clear out space with him he's really really effective in that role but you probably could have paid Demir Bird the same money to clear out space right Sure. that's not what's the point of that Right. right or half the money I should say to clear out space now the qualifier here is that if Nelson Aguilar can become an effective intermediate route runner, like on the slant pass that we saw him catch off the RPO concept there in the second half, then 
using his vertical speed to push guys up the field and then cut back underneath the defense off should of open it up for pushes yeah. hopefully that can you know open up some slants some comebacks some uh things over the middle of the field on in-breaking routes that's how you work that intermediate route tree is explode off the line of scrimmage get up the field get those dbs on their horse to run backwards open their hips and open up to go up the field and then break it down right but if you are going to run that kind of route tree the one thing that you have to be able to do if you're an actor is fight through contact because you're going to be going over the middle of the field you're going to be along the sideline a lot on those back shoulders and things like that and if you can't fight through contact then that's going to be really difficult route tree to be super productive on can nelson aguilar hit 40 of those passes underneath the defense and have a, a decent year kind of like what demir bird had last year for the patriots i think that's definitely possible but it, can he go out there and really produce in this offense I don't know. I, I think that that's something that you have to ask, uh, but, see from him. I, I, I know, I but that's, again, that takes me back to, and again, not turning this into a critical show, but it's like, look, you see these things uh, and you, it's encouraging, but I, uh, the, the most perplexing thing to, 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 to me here is we're, we're, we're in week seven, we're through seven weeks and we're still talking about how do you going to, how are you going to use these guys that you went yeah. out and targeted in free agency? I'm so perplexed by not having a clear vision for what they wanted John U. Smith and Nelson Aguilar to be in this offense when they brought them in. Um, and it's so strange so that we're still talking about it. I'm willing to give him the benefit of a doubt on Johnu because talking to him over the last couple of weeks and hearing things that he had to say about the playbook and how he constantly was saying, I need to figure out how to fit into this offense. They're not going to cater things to me. I have to figure out how I am going to produce within the framework of the Patriots playbook. So something tells me that the creativity didn't come until now because Johnny Smith was trying to learn his role and Johnny Smith was trying to gain comfortability with it. And maybe it just came a little bit faster for Hunter Henry than it did for Johnny Smith. So let's see how it goes moving forward. But when you look at Nelson Aguilar, if he's not going to be a guy that's going to take the top off the defense and give Mac Jones these wide open, not wide open, but easier downfield opportunities to throw him the football, then yeah. they're not going to produce it in that way because as Bill Bell Check told me last week they throw to the open guy right so they're not going to throw to a covered Nelson Aguilar just for the sake of pushing the ball down the field to Nelson Aguilar so I come back to the intermediate route tree and I think that's something that Nelson Aguilar is going to have to adjust himself to what they're kind of presenting him and what defenses are presenting him and don't don't sleep on the fact that taking the top off and and opening up a space for those guys Myers born and the tight ends underneath the defense is a valuable trait to have and I think when you look at some other teams on uh, defense is the way that defenses played them last year let's say or the year before that in 19 Demir Bird uh, it is not Philip Dorsett uh, those guys are not commanding extra safety attention over the top right those guys are not they're not they don't have the gravity that somebody like maybe a Nelson Aguilar has had for the Patriots so far. You know, Hunter Henry hits that corner route uh, or late in the game there from Mac Jones because Nelson Aguilar clears out the sideline. Sure. Is, that, is that available if it's Demir Bird clearing out the sideline? Who knows, right? So, so there, there's something to be said for that as well. Right. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. I think uh, uh, you know we can go a little bit longer on the Patriots here. I did want to point out just because it is interesting um, some really shocking. Uh, results not shocking but eye-opening results in the AFC uh, just uh, quick once around here um, Kansas City uh, absolutely uh, annihilated by Tennessee this game wasn't close at any point in time Patrick Mahomes got knocked out of the game uh, he was terrible before that they look in incredibly out of sorts offense and defense and then the Trags hype is real, okay? What Mike Petralia has done for these Cincinnati Bengals unbelievable. is unbelievable. The, the Mike magic, okay, in Cincy. Uh, Trags, of course, who's a veteran of CLNS and of the Boston sports beat, having covered literally everything in this town, uh, in addition to Patriots for the CLNS Media Network. Um, and he still hosts a Red Sox show for us uh, out in Cincinnati here. Uh, and the Bengals might be the real deal. Uh, Baltimore looked uh, like they were the class of the AFC. Yeah. And since he took it to him. 
Cincinnati might be the real deal. The Patriots play Tennessee in a few weeks here coming yeah. up, I believe, uh, at some point. So, look, it, it, it's a it's a really interesting AFC right now because you, you thought that you thought one thing about a lot of these teams coming into the year. And right now, a lot of teams that are taking a lot of people by surprise. And, and it's going to be interesting uh, to see how this ends up shaking out in the AFC. Yeah, it is very interesting. And again, yeah, uh, just interesting how the schedule plays for the Patriots, because as you said, they do have Tennessee um, as well. Any other thoughts on this Patriots game? I want to move to a couple other topics before we uh, wrap it up, Evan. I just think the last thing that I I would say about this game in particular and just looking ahead, I've been on board with the Mac Jones pick since the day they drafted him, but even I think that I might have undersold it a little bit. And then I was on board with it in training camp and thought he should start over Cam Newton. So uh, Patriots press pass in general, whether it's Pat's Beat, this show, wherever, we've been a Mac Jones fan club here. Right. For for lack of a better word. He might be better than I even thought. Some someone here in our network even called the Cam Newton release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might be someone. So. He might e- be even better than we thought. And yeah. you look around the league and look at some of these other quarterbacks. And I, I know a lot of people come in and say, "Oh, well, they have the foundation here. They have Belichick here." Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't say that Brady made Belichick and then also say, "Oh, well, Mac Jones has this great situation because he has Belichick, right?" So, it's one or the other. Either Bill's good or he's not good. And Mac Jones is re- is really the real deal. And you start to see every single week, unlike some of these other quarterbacks, they don't improve week to week. It's just the same level of mediocrity from Fields and Lance and Wilson all week long, you know, week after week after week. And now you see Mac Jones's arrow just keeps pointing upwards. And every week he adds a little bit more to his bag. And that's something that I think is, it's just really impressive to see. Now he's starting to throw the ball deep well. Earlier on in the season, he was he was throwing the ball well at the short and intermediate levels. Now he's adding the deep ball to his bag. Now he's adding this to his bag. And that's what good quarterbacks do is they just keep getting better. And it seems like Mac just keeps getting better. Yep. And I agree. It's it's we're trying. I think what's funny is um, there's a little push and pull here. I do think there's still a faction out there that think the the Mac hype is too is too intense and that he's just a little check down game managing sort of quarterback. And I actually lean towards the other side, which is I'm actually as, as as effusive as we are, you know, in our praise of like how he's playing for this or that actually deep down, I'm even, I'm, I'm way past that in terms of like how excited or how optimistic I am that he's going to turn into something well beyond what I imagine he would be. As you said, even being someone who was, totally on board with you know okay yeah w- while watching him play the pick again I was a little dubious I am of the school of thought I do think you know the way that the game is moving not having an athletic person at that position or or yeah. like a, a real running threat is gonna it makes life harder for you the person has to be near perfect but right now Mac Jones is doing extremely high level quarterback things that that a lot of people aren't doing he is no worse today no worse than a the a middle of the pack NFL starting quarterback right now. I'm talking like 14th, 15th, 16th overall quarterback period in the NFL at this moment, which is an insanely, uh, you know, high accomplishment for, for a rookie just thrown into the fire like that. Uh, and, and the fifth rookie taken in this draft, I think it's a, it's a really big deal. So I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm very bullish. I'm actually trying to kind of, Keep me it, too. Keep because, it mellow because what I see and I'm like, yeah, he might have because you know what it is that the it that you want to say that he has is the Brady thing that nobody wants to whisper that because as soon as you start to say it, you feel dumb because right. you don't want to make comparisons to the greatest player who's ever played the sport. Right. Um, but you're seeing things and you're like, he's got like a lot of it, you know, and he's got moxie and yeah, he stands a lot in the pocket of it. and throws the ball down the field. He's got the quick read thing. He's got the quick trigger finger. He's got the accuracy down the field. And I look, I don't know if you ask the, the Jets evaluators and you ask the Niners evaluators, everybody's taking Trevor Lawrence number one overall, like Jacksonville did. That's no question about that. You ask these other teams, the Bears, if they would have taken Mac Jones, I think that right now they would probably stick to, well, 
three years from now, let's let's revisit this conversation and see where everybody is at, right? Because maybe those guys take a little bit longer to develop, but in three years, it becomes a better product or a more explosive product. They're a higher ceiling than what the Patriots have with Mac Jones. But right now, it feels like Mac Jones is the only one of that group, the Wilson-Lance-Fields group, that looks like a legitimate long-term starting quarterback in right. the league. Those other guys could boom eventually, right? One of those guys could have it click, and they might get into the right situation with the playmakers and the coaching and all that kind of stuff. But none of them look like uh, we have our guy. And the Patriots look like they have their guy. And that's the thing is, there are a lot of guys taken, and within a year or two, you're like, we don't, we didn't get that guy. I mean, I know Tua yeah. ended up being okay today, but I think Miami has realized they don't have that guy. And they took their quarterback last year. Um, the, right. the, the Carolina benched Sam Darnold today. They're, yeah. they, they've given up on him already after the Jets already have. Those guys, you draft them a couple of years later, you determine if you've got the guy or not. There's one thing that's a fact Five quarterbacks taken in the first round, all of them are not going to be the guy. Right. Um, so there's a couple guys who absolutely were certain we got our guy, and that guy's going to be out of football or bouncing around in a couple of years. And that's just how the, how the game goes. And you're lucky if you get your guy. And so I do think, you know, Patriots fans spoiled a little bit because you want you don't want your guy, you want Brady. Right. Um, but if you got your Matt Ryan, you know, this is all of it, you know, like if the if the ceiling is Matt Ryan, that's a win. Does it get you to a Super Bowl? I don't know. It got Matt Ryan an MVP. Yeah. It got him to a Super Bowl or two. Could it be higher yeah. than that? I have no idea. But I don't know what his max ceiling is anymore either. I don't know I was the ceiling. One, I was one of those people that capped it when they drafted him. I thought he was going to be a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and that Cousins, tier quarterback. Yeah, Ryan would be a dream. Right. right? And a floor, I, I, a floor was Garoppolo, I thought. Right. You know? I, I don't know if they're going to put the pieces around him for him to have an MVP season like Matt Ryan did in terms of the production and the numbers. But his ceiling, there is no ceiling anymore to me for Mac Jones because he has already – surpassed where I thought he was going to be in terms of ceiling in a lot of ways from just not talking about the long-term production, but just the things that I've seen and the glimpses that I've seen, uh, his arm strength, his mobility, his out-of-structure playmaking, his in-structure playmaking, all of it is just a lot better than I, what even I was anticipating. Yeah. And his ceiling, I, I'm not capping the guy anymore. I think that this yeah. guy's capable of doing a lot. What he needs more than anything else, I think, is, and you'll see in the next year or two, he needs to get in on an NFL training program, weight yeah. program. Yeah, I asked get... him about that last week, and I was like, he said, you know, it's night and day compared to college, what they have me doing here in terms of nutrition and no. weightlifting and all so that kind of stuff. He needs to get his body right, and he's right. the type of person who will. So, like, what's funny is you see dad bod Mac Jones. Next year, you're going to see Mac Jones, and he's going to look different uh, because he's going to put in the work. He's that kind of guy. But with that is also going to come uh, the ability to drill the ball downfield and then certainly out, uh, you know, out to the sidelines with a little bit more authority, which I think is the one area right now you're a little worried with some floaters where he's kind of trying to throw it outside the numbers. Right. Um, that's, that's going to come. Tom Brady's arm strength came a little bit later as well, where he was really able to drill the ball uh, into into places. He wasn't a rifle-armed quarterback coming out, but he got his body right. He got his mechanics right, and he was able to start really drilling the ball into spaces where he needed to. That's the next evolution of Max game because right now he is – you know, he's doing it. And he's not, he does not have an NFL-ready body yet, which is also amazing the amount of punishment he's taken. So, again – check marks in so many columns right now uh for mac yeah it, it, we're gonna have you know it, we're, we'll backslide a little bit too but so far again i think as good or better than anybody could have possibly hoped um do want to mention a couple things uh uh before we wrap as always if you don't already subscribe please uh you know what do, what do they say what do the kids say mash the subscribe button what are you supposed <laughs> to do to it yeah you can mash it Mash it, hit it, punch it. Please give us a give us a subscribe. Uh, turn on notifications. You get notified when we go live. It's going to be post game, which you know is coming. Uh, and obviously, a couple of Patriots beats every week. Uh, we have a lot of other stuff on the network as well. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, which is uh, which is great. Evan and uh, Alex with Patriots beat multiple times a week. Um, so you're going to get episodes there. But all that good content is there. In addition to interviews and all of Evan's live reporting, film breakdown, uh, really good film breakdown coming on Tuesday. Uh, once he gets a chance to look at the tape and that's where you're going to get it. So subscribe, 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 couple other programming notes, if you will, 
indulge me. Red Sox season is over, but our Red Sox YouTube channel uh, really picked up some slack here, uh, something we launched recently. Uh, we do have a lot of content there. We will have a lot of off-season content there as well, uh, and a lot of new stuff coming in terms of Red Sox programming. Uh, and also Mike Petralia, who is the Cincinnati Bengals beat reporter, also still does Red Sox beat. And you're going to see Alex Barth, who I know many of you are fans of, popping onto his podcast there to talk Sox from time to time. But please subscribe there. We're this close to 1,000. We really just wanted to hit it. Um, at you know, uh, as soon as we can. And we're just a couple away. So hit that for sure. Uh, also tonight, check out our Celtics post game show. The Celtics are playing sans Jalen Brown. And I don't even want to talk about that, Evan. I, I'm, I'm, I'm opting out of tonight's show. I'm at, I'm so apoplectic over how this season has started. Um, I might be opting out of my season tickets soon. I I don't even know, man. I, it is it, about as bad a start as it could get, but yeah, if if the if our post game shows are going to turn into group therapy sessions and couch sessions, which many of them did last year, come join us. Everybody's going to be there. You're going to have uh, Bobby Manning, Josue Pavone, uh, Sherrod Blakely, of course, uh, and Jimmy Toscano. So uh, join that. Last thing I want to say on a very personal note, uh, it would be remiss if I didn't note the passing uh, today of broadcast legend Bob Neumeyer, uh, who died at the age of 70. Okay, Anybody who grew up in Boston uh, knows anybody who's anywhere near my age uh, understands the gravity of Numi's passing and what somebody like him meant um, at to this market, to these, to this fan base, and just the legacy that he carved out for himself. Um, everyone always talks about the golden day of Boston Globe coverage and all of the amazing reporters that we had there with Bob Ryan and Dan Shaughnessy and Jackie McMullen, Will McDonough. But at the same time, in Boston, you had some of the most talented television personalities uh, ever, which was Bob Lobel, who I think was a revolutionary talent and one of my personal favorites. And right behind him at Channel 4 was Numi, uh, who was there with his kind of his wit and his humor and his style uh, and just such a positive guy. And I had the honor of working with him at NBC Sports Boston uh, for several years. And again, just on a personal level, you grow up with these guys and you're like, wow. These are the guys who, if you walked, if you saw them on the street, you'd walk up and want to talk to them and shake their hand and ask for autographs and just be in awe of them. And all of a sudden, I'm working alongside them and I'm working in a building with Bob Newmeyer and uh, asking him his opinion. And he's, you know, asking me mine. And we're collaborating professionally and putting out content and programs and things like that. And I mean, he really did it all. He 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 was a a radio guy, a a TV guy. Obviously, he, he hosted his own radio show. He did play by play for the Bruins. He's the number one who's the number one horse handicapper who's ever lived. I mean, he literally, and again, I tweeted this earlier, most people are lucky if they can do one of these things um, uh, well enough to make a living. Numi literally could do all of them at such a high level with such a great personality. And he's just a guy and he walked in the room and he's got his smile and his Numi way. And it was just, you know, he never acted like he was a big shot around anybody. He was just knew me uh and there's no other way to describe it it was an honor and a treat to have worked alongside him really sad about the news today but again bob newmeyer um passed away today at the age of 70 and i did want to at least uh you know say you know rest in peace knew me here, here yeah um Thank you guys uh, for watching. Sorry to end on a down note, but again, Patriots win. Um, you know, uh, RIP Numi forever, obviously. Uh, make sure, again, you tune in. Uh, CLS Media, Evan will have some stuff after the game. Uh, the Patriots, of course, as you know, victorious, 54-13. Uh, They're 3-4 and four on the season. We've got the L.A. Chargers next week, so we'll have coverage leading up to the week. Um, for that game as well and we sticking with tuesday for patriot speed evan tuesday friday yes tuesday friday it is so for evan lazar john zanis we will see you guys later